to Everything Went Black podcast, uh, brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, which is uh, my coffee company. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to savagegoldcoffee.com. Also, I have a new affiliate sponsor, uh, Nature Box, which is uh, essentially a subscription to get healthy snacks delivered to you, to your door, every month. So check that out. Also, uh, onit.com, if you're interested in uh, healthy organic food alternatives, uh, you can check them out. And last but not least, uh, Datsusara, which uh, they make um, all hemp uh, training equipment, uh, bags, um, jiu-jitsu gis, uh, you know, grappling shorts, that sort of stuff. All that stuff can be uh, checked out at the everythingwentblackmedia.com. Just look to the right and hit it on one of those portals. So today we got Danny and Al Cavadlo. They're both uh, they're brothers, based here in New York. Uh, I consider them uh, fitness specialists, authors, and uh, personal trainers. I'm Al. <laughs> I'm Danny Cavatha. It's great to be here. We really thank you for awesome. being on the podcast today, yeah. bringing the word to the masses. It's great having you guys. So uh, one of the things that's uh, interesting, to me at least, is um, in general there's this like move away from uh, traditional weight training. Um, you know, you don't see too many guys. Well, you do see a lot of people still on those like old school principles of doing, you know, arm curls and, you know, shoulder presses and wrist curls and things like that. But uh, one of the things I see is just in general, people going more for a functional conditioning sort of thing. And, and I think that's sort of what you guys specialize in. Yeah, you know, Danny and I have kind of built a niche in body weight, strength training and calisthenics. And we've kind of, uh, I feel like we've catered to a, a a segment of the fitness population that maybe has been overlooked for a while. You know, there's there's still, like you said, a lot of people going to the mainstream gyms and doing that style of, you know, bodybuilding training that was getting really big in the 70s and 80s. But there's a lot of other people who are, you know, discovering that there's a lot more to fitness than just being in a gym and sure. a lot more to it than just lifting weights. And Danny and I have been fortunate enough to kind of, uh, you know, help be leaders within that movement. And it's been a pretty exciting run for the last few years. How'd you guys get started in that? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. We got started doing just these basics anyway. You know, when we got started with fitness, we were young kids. You know, we were growing up in Brooklyn, and we didn't have that much other stuff to do. We come from a family with three brothers, and we had push-up contests. This is the type of stuff we did. We put a pull-up bar in the door when we were teenagers. That's just what we did. There were no fancy YMCAs or this activity or that activity. And I guess we had a lot of testosterone at the time and it needed to manifest. What's interesting about it is that throughout our journey in fitness and being trainers, we've experimented with many other modalities of exercise, including the weight training, the isolation. But we've come back to this. It's almost like the journey went full circle. You know, one more thing I'd like to say about the movement towards minimalist training and body weight and full body movements is that if you really think about it, our body was built to work together. You know, the notion of isolation is really less than 100 years old, whereas mankind has been getting fit since the dawn of mankind. So it's really a return to something that our species has always been doing. Yeah, I mean, you see, like, all these kettlebell videos of, like, you know, the the kettlebell is, like, an ancient, you know, that's been around, what, like, hundreds of years, you know, or... Yeah, you know, kettlebells, you know, and, and body weight are definitely associated a lot of the time because, you know, they attract a lot of the same types of people. Like I was yeah. saying before, people who aren't 
in the conventional, you know, Globo Gym kind of yeah. mentality. I was doing air quotes for you guys listening <laughs> on, on Globo Gym. And uh, it's, it's also because, you know, our affiliation with Dragon Door Publications, and they were such a huge player in bringing kettlebells to the mainstream, and they've done so much to help promote uh, what we're doing here. So there's, we get a lot of people coming to our workshops who have, you know, uh, had backgrounds in kettlebells first. And sometimes we have people coming to our workshops who've had backgrounds in weight training, uh, you know, with barbells and dumbbells and uh, other styles of, of training first. And people come to our progressive calisthenics certification and, you know, we strip things down. And it's often an amazing experience. We had a guy when we were in Ireland uh, this spring who was actually a former professional bodybuilder. And he was just blown away by all the things he could do with his body weight and how challenging it was. And this was a big, strong dude. It was kind of surreal for me. This guy saying to me, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, blowing my mind doing this kind of training. So it was really, uh, really cool to, to see people come into this from all different angles and, and getting something from it. Well, one of the things I like about, um, you know, my limited experience with, uh, you know, full body training and whatnot is if you have any sort of, like, weaknesses you know, by using your body as one unit, you sort of like find out where those are. And then by continuing with that sort of modality, you strengthen those weaknesses, you know, like yeah. if you're just doing like, you know, bench presses or whatever, you're, you're sort of neglecting like another part of your body that complements that movement. I always say, you know, the, the weak link will, will be exposed when you do calisthenics. You know, you can't, shift around yeah. it the way you can in certain other yeah, things. Yeah, you can't cheat the same way, you know, and like, you know, you can do, I guess you can do like kipping pull-ups or whatever, but... <laughs> That's a whole other conversation yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to get into. Are you guys fans? Yes or no on those? Uh, just it it has its time and place, the, the kipping pull-up. When, when I teach pull-ups and the way we teach pull-ups at the PCC, we're teaching them in a more traditional form. And like Al said, the kipping pull-up absolutely has its place. Within what we're doing, I like to keep it a little more true to form. You know, my, my belief, just to say a little more, is you got to get a good, clean pull-up first. And right. then once you have that, it's like one of those, you, you know the rules before you break them sort of things. Yeah. I think it's sometimes not the best idea to have a beginner start out using that kind of technique before they're ready to actually do a pull-up at all. But, you know, different coaches have different modalities, and there's a lot of different people out there who like different styles of training, so there's something for everybody out there. A pull-up is, uh, you know, for, for most people, I think that um, that's a pretty hard movement. You know what I mean? You know, this, the spectrum of fitness is so huge. Yeah. And, yeah, for the average person, the pull-up, just the basic pull-up can be a big, overwhelming challenge. But then beyond that, there's other people who are able to do 20, 30, 40 pull-ups in a row yeah. and doing one-arm pull-ups and all right. these crazy, intense moves. So it's, it's important to remember, no matter where you fall on that continuum, that... <laughs> You don't want to get too hung up in comparing yourself to other people one way or the other. I always tell people, like, just do the best you can and keep trying to grow. And don't worry about, like, oh, this is too hard for me or this yeah. is too easy for me. One of the things that's really incredible on that note about when we do these progressive calisthenic certifications is that we cover such a large span of body weight training that you may have one person who on day one is incredibly dominant on the pull-ups, yep. and then on a different day when we're working on maybe handstands, inversions, back bridges, it may be the guy who dominated the pull-ups whose weakness is exposed with something else, but it's not a weakness. What it is is we have different strengths and different things, and one of the great things is that when these people come together, we can say, hey, my bridge isn't as good as yours. Show me how you did that. Hey, my push-up is more solid than yours. Look at my technique. And everyone really gets to 
feed off of each other's strengths, no matter if it's the pull-up or something else, or where anybody ranks within their fitness journey in any of these modalities. I find, like, I think, like, 185 is, like, sort of this, like, borderline between, like, if you're above 185, it's, like, like, for me, for me, I'm, like, 205 right now. Mm -hmm. And, like, I can, I can probably do between 8 and 10 pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Nice job. Oh, that's, good. that's good. I don't know. I tra most of the guys well, I train with. You just said you know that we're doing one pull up is hard for a lot of people, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> once again, you know, it's compared the guys I train with are usually like one forty five, one fifty five, and they're banging out like twenty, thirty pull ups. Well, that, you know? that's the thing with the body weight exercise in general is it definitely favors a leaner, smaller yeah. build. But it's all relative, you know. A guy who's six five who weighed what you weigh would have a better build for calisthenics. But, you know, at the same time, he'd have longer levers to play with also. So yeah. it would be... That's you know, mechanical. It's, 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 then that's why what I was saying before about not getting too hung up on the comparative thing. Yeah. Just focusing on your journey, pushing your limits, going as far as you can with it. So now, do you guys have a facility or some place that you, you know, like a headquarters that you work out of? Or you're is it you're right, in it. You're in it right here. The this world is, is our gym. Yeah. We train in the park. We train outdoors, a couple other spots. We train everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, we uh, we travel the world, going everywhere we can, trying to spread the word. Seminars. So yeah, we're we're all over the place. We don't really have one host facility. We, I, I actually often feel like owning a gym is a whole other business. That in in addition to everything that Danny and I are doing, to have a facility would just be putting too much on our, our plate. So yeah. Then you add store owner to the list of <laughs> oh, presenter, yeah. author, trainer, and that just might be something that doesn't fit into the mix. You know, when you open a facility, there's a lot more involved. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. someone's got to be there 6 a.m. to midnight. And our whole thing is telling people, hey, you don't have to go to the gym. You can go out and do it at a park. Yep, that's a good philosophy. Yeah. We were going to work out just this morning at the park, and you know what? It was pouring rain. We worked out right here in the living room. Like, that's a big part of our message is you don't need special clothes. You don't need a special gym membership. You don't need special equipment. You just need your own body and your environment around you. And, and the willingness to do it. Well, that's the most important part, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> the ability to take action. And, and that, that's actually one of the key hurdles that Absolutely. I mean, probably even the three of us who are you know you know active in doing this but it's probably an everyday sort of thing to motivate yourself to do it on any level that you're at absolutely anytime anybody does anything there's some level of resistance yes be it you know uh working out or going to work or anything that's not being totally lazy right there's a part of your mind that, oh this would be easier not to do it so like everything in life is cultivating that part of your mind that has the discipline to, to have the foresight to think ahead of, well, what is going to feel good exactly right now in this moment versus what long-term is going to actually be the best thing for you. And here's the thing, you know, we, we culturally try to make things as easy for ourselves as possible all the time, you know, whether it's driving everywhere or remote controls or mobile, everything. So we got conditioned to, oh, what's the easiest way to do this? What's the path of the least resistance? And guess what? In fitness, one of the most beautiful things about it, one of the most pure things about it is that you reap what you sow. You make the effort. You do it every day. You will get results. If you're going to drag yourself to the, to the gym or to the park or wherever and just half-ass it and put through minimal effort, you will get minimal results. But if you push yourself... It will show 100%, you know, and, and, you know, culturally, sometimes we tend to see that hard work thing as a deterrent, 
But I think it feels good to earn something. You know, when you oh, own yeah. a body that's self-made, you know, you hold your chin a little higher. You, you feel a little more confident you, when you walk down the street and you're capable of doing more things physically. So it's just a matter of doing it and holding yourself accountable and not being afraid of the hard work. Maybe even embracing and enjoying the hard work. Oh, yeah. Just the things have way more meaning when you actually earn it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, a few years ago when I, you know, I've got my first white stripe and my white belt in jiu-jitsu and I was like, you know, the greatest moment of my life. And it was like such a minuscule little step above the curve, you know. Absolutely. But all the hours on the mat that I put into that, you know, it, just that little piece of cloth made, meant so much to me. And it know? didn't matter that someone else was getting a black belt exactly. at the same time. Yeah. You were focused on your journey. Yeah, you know, and then you put it together and you keep moving forward, you know. Yeah. And next thing you know, you've you got a couple of years in and you're you're one of the guys that's not the new guy anymore. That's you know? exactly what we tell people with calisthenics. It's the same thing. When someone gets that first pull-up, they feel that same feeling you felt when you got that first strike. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the time, too, you know, we're so used to the instant transformation, the 21-day change, the message of seven-day abs or this or that other nonsense. And the truth is, with the calisthenics, people do get attracted to the advanced moves because they're visually breathtaking. Someone sees Al do a muscle-up on YouTube or a human flag, you can't help but be attracted to the spectacle. But just because you can put it on YouTube in three seconds and it's going to upload... It may take someone years to get there, and it yeah. really, really is a journey. And that's why we have to respect the journey. Getting that first pull-up, that's the step towards getting the muscle up when people want to jump the gun. And it's just, like Al said, like you said, within your journey, achieving those milestones is really where it's at. Yeah. So people, They see the end result, and they don't realize how much work it took to mm -hmm. get there. And, and a lot of the time, marketers want to fool people into perpetuating that belief, thinking, oh, here's a trick where you don't have to do the work. And there's never really any trick. So with your clients, uh, do you find that, you know, in addition to offering them instruction on how to do these techniques, you're also acting as, uh, you know, sort of helping holding them along. accountable. Yeah, holding yeah. them accountable and helping them sort of like change their lifestyle and, and you know, get into that whole trip. You know? you know, in terms of personal training, in terms of that, a trainer has many, many different roles that they play. You know, one of the things that they do, in addition to giving someone a workout that the person can't do without them, is exactly what you said, holding them accountability, holding them accountable, rather. Now, the accountability doesn't end at the session. Just having a personal trainer can help hold you accountable when the trainer's not there. You know, one of the great things that Al does, that I do, that some of the trainers who feel like they have less to prove do, is they say to the client, yeah, you can work out with me, that's great, but ultimately it's on you to get results. Yeah. I mean, I talk about the personal training aspect a lot more. I have a book called Everybody Needs Training, Proven Success Secrets for the Professional Fitness Trainer, and that's really directed more at personal trainers who want to make more money and who want to get more clients and who ultimately want to change more lives. Um, but that's really in terms of one-on-one -on -one client, what the trainer's role is. Pretty much uh, what we're promoting now is uh, spreading the word about the calisthenics and about what we're doing with the Progressive Calisthenics Certification, because this really is the first and the best certification of its kind ever, and it's really been quite an experience being involved with it. So what are the details around all that? Well, basically what we're doing is, you know, in the fitness industry has grown so much in the last decade especially, and there's a lot of different 
uh, specialty certifications that have been popping up and a lot of demand for these. You know, trainers want to establish themselves as someone who is an authority in a field by getting a credential. And, you know, the body weight training like we were talking about has been getting so much bigger in fitness in the last few years. And there wasn't really any sort of formal credential established for people to say, hey, look, I know this stuff. I'm certified. I'm officially recognized as someone who's qualified to teach this to others. And so we teamed up with Dragondor, who was doing the RKC kettlebell certification, yes. who kind of is responsible. Like anyone who's listening to this who's ever worked out with kettlebells or knows what kettlebells is, there's a good chance that Dragondor is the reason why. And, uh, you know, we're, we partnered up with them to make the same sort of official certification for calisthenics. We started doing it uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, we've certified a few hundred people already in several different continents. We've been traveling all over the world. We've got a bunch coming up in the next few months. We're going to be in Europe next month. We're going to Holland, and we're going to Sweden, and then we're going to be back here in the U.S. in November. We're going to be in Milwaukee. And then next year, uh, we have a pretty busy itinerary lined up. We're going to be uh, here in New York next spring. We did New York previously this year. It was really good. We're excited to come back. We're hitting a lot of other cities, uh, Minneapolis. Um, we're going to be out in California, uh, San Francisco, Bay Area, and L.A. And, uh, yeah, it's just really exciting. You know, you know, another really cool thing about establishing this PCC, this Progressive Calisthenics Certification, is that anybody who spent any great deal of time with Al or me knows that we're leery of certifications in general. You know, basically, you get better at stuff through experience. So we're really thrilled to actually have something that is a cert where we could communicate that message. And that being said, just like working with the trainer, just like getting to the pull-up bar on your own, everybody is going to reap what they sow from the PCC cert that we do. And what's great about it, it's not the piece of paper that makes you better at the end. It's what you gain from spending so much time from the experience of training with others, other enthusiasts, other fitness professionals, other people who are passionate about bodyweight training. And it really, really brings it together. The other cool thing about it, too, is that we have a test at the end. It's not just like show up, pay your money, sit through the damn thing, and you work out a PCC. No. You have to establish a basis of fundamental body weight, skill, and ability before you can walk out with that PCC. And that was something that Am and I felt was very, very important, as well as Dragondor, before we could throw this term around, because we take it very, very, very seriously. So how do people find out more information about this? Uh, the information's on my website, alcavadlo.com. It's A-L-K-A-V-A-D-L-O. Or they can go to dragondor.com. All the information's there. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're just, like Danny said, we, we've always been kind of skeptical of the fitness industry, which is why we're so happy to be working with Dragondor because they're a company that actually tests people in a physical sense. It's crazy how many certified trainers there are out there who just took a test, oftentimes an online test, mm -hmm. to get their credential. And we yeah. actually like make sure that people can actually do these exercises yeah. with proper form before we let them walk out there and start representing our brand. Right. Certifications do not make you a better trainer. <laughs> what you yield from your experiences can make you a better trainer. So we, we have people show up who just get a certificate of attendance because they're, they're not PCC, you know, ready. And, you know, oftentimes those people will come back and actually 
prove us, hey, we've gotten better, our skill set, we learned so much that weekend, we've applied it, and now they can actually come and do the workout that they need to do to get through and pass. Wow. But so uh, is, we don't just hand it out to everyone who shows up. It is kind of like this, you know, martial arts kind of vibe where you sort of Absolutely. like, you got to demonstrate that you understand the principles and you don't just like, you know, because I've been to gyms over the years. I'm not going to name any names or whatever. <laughs> There's no reason places. to disparage you know, anybody. You know, just exactly, you know, but I've, I've observed a lot of personal trainers and I just wonder in the back of my head I'm like how'd this guy like get this job right? here now, how much does this pay well, Maybe I can we get don't a job want people this. like that representing PCC that's, yeah, that's just, exactly why we have a test okay. you know it's interesting it's interesting that you mentioned the martial arts because you know martial arts is a practice you don't show up and say okay I'm going to be a black belt in six months or six years or whatever it is it's a practice and you progress to the next level in time based on many factors including how much time you put into it absolutely so I do think that there's that carryover yeah. into an approach of progressive calisthenics as a practice that being said what we do at PCC is not competitive at all it's more of a solidarity more of a community type of thing but absolutely that approach is a practice and as respecting your journey, huge carryover. Yeah, and we do get a lot of martial artists coming and taking our yeah. workshops. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of carryover. I mean, bodyweight training in particular is often really more specific to martial arts yep. because that's what you're working with. Yeah, right. We'll get everyone from martial artists to wrestlers yeah. to personal trainers to people who just saw this stuff on YouTube yeah. and decided that they wanted to start getting into it. You know, we got people from 18 years old to, what was the oldest certified PCC we yeah, have? It was 65, 66, 65. something like that, right? Jack Arno, 71. Right, Jack, right, that's right. Jack is <laughs> turned 72 recently. Yeah, Jack's the oldest. Yeah, for sure. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, this is, this is a guy who can do muscle-ups and front levers. Like, he's definitely, he's always the person I point people to when they're like, oh, I'm too old to start doing this. I'm 40. And it's like, no, this kid's <laughs> in his 70s. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah, because one of, one of the things that it's sort of intangible, I think that um, you know a lot of people take away from training in you know martial arts is the overall lifestyle change that happens as a result of you know going down to the on the mat you know four or five days a week, three day, two days a week, even if you're down there two days a week. Absolutely. You you sort of absorb the energy of being involved with other people that you may or may not even have ever come in contact with. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this is a program similar to that, where you're a bunch of people probably from different backgrounds are training together, you know, and it's the same faces and, and there's a sort of continuity amongst that. And, you know, you can observe even like in my experiences, you know, training, you know, jujitsu or Muay Thai or whatever, where people, they show up the first day and then two years later, they're a completely different person. Absolutely. Yeah. People go through transformations both physically and in the more profound sense when they practice martial arts or, or any sort of, you know, physical discipline like that, be it calisthenics or, or what have you. And yeah, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. I mean, we see the community growing. I mean, with social media, it's like we're connecting with people all over the world. The reason why we're able to go somewhere like Australia and do a workshop and have 45 people show up is because of the internet. And it's just, yeah. it's amazing that there's this community that's just, um, and really, I feel like that's the case with, with everything, every subculture. Pretty much. The internet yeah. has allowed people all over the world to find each other yep. who share these common interests, who, like you said, maybe don't have that many other things in common in, in their other walks of life, but they're brought together by this one sort of uh, mutual, shared 
they're the weird person in their gym who likes to train like this. And like, oh, there's all these other weirdos out there too. And you know, like Danny always says, we're the freaks and geeks of fitness. Yeah, that's that's definitely because like you know, one one of the the coolest things about getting involved in sort of like this left of center, like kind of almost like subculture kind of thing, where there's you'd be surprised how many people are out there, and especially with the internet, now you can go. You guys have a YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. channel. And you can see all the likes and everything. You're like, wow, I'm not alone in this thing. Yeah. You know? It really is incredible. We do a PCC workshop, and it's like Al said. People just come up, and they're like, wow, I'm usually the one guy doing muscle-ups <laughs> on a cable crossover machine in the gym that I go to. And it's just, it just really is a beautiful awakening and experience for the people that do attend. So now uh, this whole uh, connection with Dragon Door, because mm-hmm. you have that one book with them, mm-hmm. and you have like four books, I think, mm-hmm. right? So how, how did that relationship start? We uh, got into contact with Dragon Door through one of their authors, Paul Wade, who wrote a book called Comic Conditioning. Yeah, which actually, is based on. Yeah, the, the foundation, you know, his uh, book and our teachings, we kind of, you know, combined everything to, you know, join forces and make this, yeah. uh, you know, certification together. So, but even before PCC was even on the table, uh, Coach Wade reached out to us because he was working on uh, a, a book and he needed people... The, the story behind Coach Wade, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is this is a guy who uh, did a lot of time in prison and over the years developed a body weight exercise system. And then when he got out, he uh, got this book published with Dragon Door called Convict Conditioning, where he basically laid out all his body weight principles. And it was kind of a game changer for a lot of people at the time. I think that book came out in... 2008, 2009, and that was right around when this whole body weight calisthenics thing started to really blow up. And uh, the thing with Coach Wade, though, is he wants to remain anonymous, so he doesn't appear in any of the photos himself. So he needed models for you know his books, and, and he reached out to Danny and me. He had seen my blog, and I had a lot of photos of me doing a lot of the kind of moves he was talking about on there, and he liked my look. You know, ironically, growing up, everybody always said to us, like, oh, don't get all those tattoos, you're not going to get a job. But this guy for the convict conditioning books, it's like, these guys are perfect. They have the look I want, they have the moves. So uh, it, it really was, was a great windfall. And then once we, you know, had our foot in the door, so to speak, with that, and then, you know, I got to know John Duquesne, and I told him, like, hey, you know, I'm working on a book also, and things just kind of snowballed from there and here we are a few years later and it's just kind of amazing to look back on the the journey and a lot's a lot's happened if i could chime in on that the book that al is referring to that he spoke to john duquesne about is a book called raising the bar now this book this was al's first dragon door publication there has literally never been a book like this before you got books on sandbag training you got books on kettlebell training you got Books on training just on the ground in just about any type of modality. But before Raising the Bar, there was never a book based on just training with the pull-up bar. So, you know, people are watching YouTube, they're seeing muscle-ups, they're seeing one-arm pull-ups, where they can't even do one pull-up and they're seeing how do I progress to get to one pull-up. Al put out this book, Raising the Bar, and it really was a groundbreaking book in the fitness industry because this is a whole book dedicated to pull-up calisthenics. Anything from a horizontal row on the pull-up bars to a hanging knee raise to a plyometric muscle-up spinning around the bar and everything in between. So he's modestly saying he got started with John Duquesne on a project, but this book was a game-changer in the fitness industry. Well, thanks, thanks for the endorsement. Yeah, I, definitely. And the other books, by the way, if you're interested are called Pushing the Limits and Stretching Your Boundaries. Pushing the Limits is all about 
uh, no equipment workouts. So I took that whole bar minimalism thing a step further by removing the bar and just working with the floor. And then stretching your boundaries is uh, a flexibility-based program. A little bit of yoga, a little bit of martial arts st uh, style stretching in there too, and a little bit of my own take. You know, I always like that Bruce Lee quote, uh, absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is your own. And that's kind of what I did with that stretching book. Used a lot of different disciplines that I tried over the years and kind of fused my own little thing together out of them. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening and you're interested in what we're talking about here, check those books out. Actually, as long as we're talking products, I do have a book called Diamond Cut Abs coming out. The proposed date right now is October 15th. That could potentially be a little sooner or a little later, but I'm just going to say October 15th. And this is a book that's coming out. I mean, the only thing people ask me about more than tattoos and pull-ups is abs. So this is basically <laughs> everything from just what I eat, what we eat, you know, this is how we train, how to start from a beginner, intermediate, advanced, elite. This is basically everything I have to say about eating for and training your abs in terms of my take on nutrition, minimalist nutrition. The whole thing is a body weight training book, but it really, really is a lot more. And if I may, just for a moment, Paul Wayne called this the best book on abs training ever written. Uh, Rob Wolf, the author of The Paleo Solution, uh, he said... Danny's done it again. <laughs> this is everything you need uh, to sculpt the ultimate six-pack your genetic potential will allow. So this is really going to be for everybody, and it really is even more so than about the exercises. It's about something that you talked about, Mike, you know, that day-to-day -day approach to things and that taking things one as they come, and that definitely, you know, applies to what we're talking about here. I mean, the best way to get abs carved out of wood is to stop eating so damn much and that's one of the messages yeah, so in the book too what's your guys take, uh, take on nutrition like, you, know, you know in terms of nutrition it's a hard thing to really pin down yeah. but I think generally speaking if I may say something in a few broad strokes I think generally speaking overall the population should probably eat a little bit less sugar maybe even a lot less sugar start by cutting out foods that have sugar added to them that never have sugar added to them before, like canned tomatoes and oh, yeah. coconut yeah. water and yeah. you know, things like this, bottled water has sugar added to it. Coca-Cola probably should go to. That should go to, it goes without <laughs> saying, you know. So just, you know, be mindful of how much sugar you're putting in. And by that token, be mindful of how much processed food and grains you're putting in. Anyway, you know, I think everyone could stand to eat a little more fruit, a little more greens in their diet, and a little bit less of everything else. So those are some broad strokes that people could take. You know, eat more real food, avoid as much processed crap as you can, and uh, just really think about the quality of the food you're putting in your body, rather than fat grams and nutrients yeah. and this and that and the other thing. Trust me, Pop, if you eat greens, if you eat quality meats, if you eat fruits and nuts and legumes and good things, you'll get all the nutrients you need, you'll get a nice balance of everything, and let's keep it simple. You mentioned grains. I so, did mention yeah, grains. Yeah, um, you know, you read Rob Wolf, grains. Grains are a very controversial subject. Yeah. You know, let me just say in regards to grains that they've come in and out of my eating style throughout the course of my life, and there's not necessarily an absolutism that I have towards it. But 
I do think that Americans are eating way too much of it. They're eating way more grain products and processed grain products than they have historically before. And the quality of grains we're eating is different. Now I know there's a price that you want to pay for feeding the free world and for mass producing this type of stuff. And that's cool. I'm not here to get political about it. But what I do think is that people could just work on putting the best stuff in their body they can. I'm not saying never have grains, but you know, people go out to dinner and you know, they have two dinner rolls before their appetizer yeah. gets there, and then they have a meal with a piece of bread, a side of potato, and they're drinking beer with it. That might be a little too much, <laughs> if you're trying to get six-pack abs. If you're not, then do what you like. I'm not trying to convert <laughs> anybody here, but <laughs> that's my own experience with it. You know, and the same token, I have grain-free days sometimes, just not every day. All these things, paleo diet, uh, primal diet, uh, warrior diet, whatever. You know, they all have a lot more in common than apart. Above all, the mission statement is to keep foods mo more pure and closer to the source. And I think that's good advice for anybody. Well, that, well there you go, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no, also, uh, what, what about saturated fat? Like, you know, use... I don't like, know, man. Those terms are confusing me. Kind of stuff, yeah. You know, I eat fat. You know, yeah. when my abs are the most ripped, I eat bacon. I eat coconut oil. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I can't... Here's the thing with the fats. Yeah. I don't know what's mono and poly and this and that and whatever, but I do know this. If there's a fat that has to be chemically invented by a scientist in a lab at a corporation, then that's probably a fat you should avoid, like these processed vegetable oils. But if it's a fat that you could make, I don't know, with a stone, like avocado yeah. or coconut oil sure. or olive oil or something like yeah. that, then that's probably a better fat, whether saturated or not. You know, I just want to keep it simple. Yeah, I think that's kind of in general. I'm not a scientist. I'm the first to admit it. It's a good, it's a good rule because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time reading about all this stuff, too. Yeah. And, uh, Buy the book, man. You'll get my full take in the book. Time right Cut Abs, October 15th. Uh, that's right around the corner. Yes, sir. Next month. Yes, sir. So you have um, you touched on flexibility. So do you guys uh, have you ever dealt with uh, injuries or anything like that, or how to avoid injuries, or you know? Well, you know, the the best way to avoid injuries is to not do things outside of your capabilities. But then, of course, well, what if you have the guys flip got side you, of that, bar or something like that. Well, that right. If, if you're in martial arts or sports related injuries, I was just talking <laughs> yeah. about calisthenic related injuries. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, what I was going to say is the, the delicate balance is, you know, sometimes you, you won't know your limits unless you try to push too far, right. and then that's how you get hurt. But I think it's, it's one of those things that anyone who's, who's done any sort of sport or workout or calisthenics for long enough, you get hurt at some point, and then you learn, like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But, you know, sometimes people don't learn, and they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. So really the best way to avoid getting injured is just to listen to your body and to, I mean, obviously there's things, if you're getting injured in a sport where someone's trying to break your arm, yeah. that's different <laughs> than doing an exercise with bad form or something and hurting yourself like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, injuries happen and you get over them. I mean, in regards to injuries within fitness in general, you know, I'm 40 years old. I've been working out since I was, I don't know, 11, 12, that's almost 30 years. I've never had a serious injury. You know, I've, I've yeah, you know, had tendonitis, I've been yeah. nicked up, dinged up, whatever. Right. Most of the people I know who have been working out for 20 years have never had a serious injury. Some have. You know, so the point is, there's, there's a lot of fear-mongering in fitness, whether it comes to calisthenics, weight training, whatever. 
Working out is good. You know, I could walk down the street and a brick could fall on my head. I could eat a piece of broccoli and I could choke on it. I could get injured doing just about anything. But in terms of injury with fitness, I think if you work out, your chances overall of getting injured are a lot, a lot less than if you don't. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, I didn't want to give people the idea that working out is going to make them get hurt. Working out is going to make you stronger. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you live a longer, more uh, productive, capable life. So uh, if along the way you get dinged up a couple times, it's certainly worth, uh, worth the damage. Now, how, do you learn, how do you learn to ride a bicycle? Right. You fall off it a hundred times, right. and then you can right. ride one, you know? Yeah, also being fit and flexible will also prevent, help you prevent getting injured. In well, that's the yeah. chicken and the egg right. thing, right? So, yeah, Are you fit because yeah. you work out, or do you work out because you're fit? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Stretching Your Boundaries, his book, I mean, it really is about stretching towards calisthenic strength. So it really brings everything together in a nice harmony it's, with the it's, flexibility. It's written for anyone who wants to improve their flexibility, but with the, you know, like Danny said, an angle toward calisthenics enthusiasts. Like, hey, this is the stretch you need. Like, if you want to get the pistol squat or the L set, these are the places where you're probably tight that are stopping you from getting that move. Yeah, that's something I, I uh, you know, I, I tore my meniscus about a year ago, and um, I went into this, you know, pretty extensive physical therapy mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I became really aware of flexibility during that recovery phase, um, you know, and, and since then, I'm uh, still I'm about 90% because that's one of those deals where it's like you get the surgery, there's a 50-50 chance, or you just kind of take care of it. So that's, I'm in the taking care of How it. How long so. has that been? It's about, I'd say, 14 months ago, maybe. Okay, so it still might get a little better in the years ahead. It doesn't prevent me from doing anything. The only thing I haven't been able to do is, like, do, like, full squats, you mm -hmm. know. That's, I get some pain when I go do full squats. you gotta, you got to get my book. You're the perfect audience for it. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that's, think... that's what I was really trying to get out with flexibility, because yeah. I noticed, like, uh, you know, one of the things um, that was brought to my attention was, like, tightness in, like, the IT band and... And how all of those muscles and ligaments and tendons sort of like pull and push your knee in and out of alignment and how all those various components sort of play into the whole, you know. And you get these like certain things will get tight on you and and Absolutely. getting that flexibility happening. You don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I've been trying to pay attention to that like over the last, you know, ever since I've been active because I was I was out I couldn't do anything for like four months. Mm, you know, that's I couldn't tough. do, a, do a thing. I just had to sit around and, you know, even even when I did push-ups, if I was like, you know, holding that position, I would feel it in my knee, you know? Yeah. So. That's the thing, you know, it's funny, just to tie it into the calisthenics we were talking about, you started off the conversation earlier about that full body harmony, about yeah. the, the, the tendency to get away right. from the isolation and the weakest link in the body. You're saying you did a push-up. Yeah. Now, a push-up is typically thought of by the masses as just an upper body exercise or even just a chest and triceps exercise. I'm yep. doing the air quotes now, too. <laughs> and really, what you just said is you're using everything. You felt that shit yeah. in your knees. Totally. And that's right. And that's the thing about the body weight training is it's the, 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 the harmony, the marriage between strength, between flexibility, between balance and between all these different body parts, like when you do a push-up, right, you should feel it everywhere. Yeah, you know, and also just, yeah, just the, the sort of like that neurological, like coordinating your nervous system too to do all these things is like, you know, if you're, if you're coming out of like a scenario where you're, you're really into just isolation exercises, 
you're kind of shutting down like certain pathways, I think, to have like certain other support systems fire so that you can actually stand on one foot and, you know, pick something up or have balance and those, those sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's been, like, really yeah. useful. A great deal of strength is neurological. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's ways to get stronger in that you build more muscle fiber and you're larger and stronger. But if you're not firing all those muscle fibers off, then you're just getting bigger and stronger because of the size. Like, now, a lot of the calisthenics, it's like you said. It's like, that's why you can see a small dude rock out 20 pull-ups or a perfect human flag is pound for pound that strength. They're neurologically programmed in for their body to fire off to maximize everything they have to get the most muscular yield. Yeah, I mean, that's why we get guys who have a bodybuilding background who maybe can move a lot of weight externally. Right. Who come right. and do PCC and are humbled by all the body weight <laughs> exercise because they're not used to having to manipulate their own body weight. You know, the, the bigger you are, the more leverage you have to move an external object. But the bigger you are, the less leverage you have to move yourself. Right. Being 300 pounds is going to help your deadlift. Right. It's not going to help your muscle up. <laughs> Hell no, man. How do you find those guys react to that sort of like, uh, you know, that experience? So a lot it's of, different for everybody. Yeah. You know, again, it's hard to make a blanket statement because we've had guys with a bodybuilding background that showed up at PCC that were so fucking strong and so dedicated to what they're doing and they, they've just... It's hard to make a blanket thing. We've seen all spectrums within everybody. Let me edit that one out. Sorry. Look, the, the people who come to PCC, it's somewhat of a self-selecting group. They're okay. people who are already enthusiasts. Right. So people who don't like this training aren't taking the time to come out for a three-day workshop. You know, It's already people who are into it. So in, in that sense, it, it's... Uh, it's really fun for us because we're like surrounded by, like we were saying, it's like, oh, wow, it's like, it's our people. It's the other freaks and geeks who like to train like this. It's the people who aren't going to the Globo gym and doing the treadmill and doing the chest press machine and the leg press machine and the lat pull down circuit and all that. Awesome. So I'd like to thank you guys for taking your time and, and doing this. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. You know, let's, let's just do a quick recap of how everyone can uh, connect with you guys. You have Twitter, Facebook, websites, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, if you Google us, we're all over. The last name is K-A-V-A-D-L-O. We're the Cavadlo brothers, Al and Danny. And uh, PCC, the Progressive Calisthenic Certification, is the workshop that we're bringing all over the world. And you can find out about that on dragondoor.com. And we got plenty of them coming up. Absolutely, yeah. We hope to see you guys there. Start practicing your pull-ups now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank My you. My pleasure.